Welcome to Anything But Routine. Before we start the podcast, we want to tell you about the Just For Kicks Coaches and Studio Owners Conference. This conference is designed for coaches and studio owners to learn from industry experts. You can network with other coaches and much more. This conference is hosted by Cindy Clow herself. If you want more info, please email us at support at justforkicks.com. Now to the podcast. partner. So welcome listeners. She is a coach at the Holy Angels in Minnesota, and she also is a former jam judge. So that training must have been helpful to you as a new coach. Yes, it was. It's super exciting to be moving into a new direction and dance team. So Sarah and I just finished a, a half hour podcast that I accidentally didn't record. So this is take two. So I thank her for her patience here as we, we try to move through this. So what we're going to do is talk about being a new coach. And so you were a new coach the first year during COVID, which had to be like, if you survived that, oh my gosh, survived everything. We're just like everybody else. We just were kind of winging it. We had a plan and if plans changed, we changed along with it. But we heard resoundingly from at the end of the season, right before our section competition, just how happy our team was that they were even able to have a season. So for me, that's that just says it all for how those few months went. So I think it, you know, every, you can always beat yourself up and say we could have done this better. I could have done this better as a coach. But just the fact that we made it through an entire season during COVID, I think, is a pretty good accomplishment for our team. And I think we all have to feel that way, you know, but especially the first year, holy moly, that would be a lot. So I think one of the first things that is important with a new team is getting them to trust you. And you were, you were saying that you have a lot of new kids on your team, which maybe was helpful. Right, right. Having a, a, a smaller team with a lot of new students coming into the school and into our program, they really didn't have the history of this is how it was last year. This is how it was two years ago, or this is how our former coach did it. So we were able to craft and start building the culture and the program philosophy, the way that our coaching staff and our captains wanted it. Um, We had a small number of veterans, but they were all pretty engaged and supportive. And, and it was just really helpful to get their input as we were planning different things and we would have ideas and they would have different ideas on, on how to interact with, with the, with the team itself from activities to little games we could do since we had so much time virtually, but um, really building that trust um, just from the start is super important. And in any aspect, whether you're working or you're a teacher, but especially if you're a coach, because you really need the team, especially in Minnesota dance team, because it's so competitive, right. they really, really need to be together as a team. We don't, our, our sport at the high school level just really doesn't allow for a lot of individuality on the dance floor. We really need to be cohesive. So right. building that from the start is really important. It's really important. And, and letting them know how much you care. I think that's really important. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it sounds like right. by your success that they really understood that. And I do feel like when you're a new coach, sometimes it's like a step mother situation they've had so many different 
coaches that, or, or maybe a foster situation where they're in home to home, sometimes teams feel that way and they kind of dig their heels in and are like, what are you going to do? And, and it right. takes a while to build that trust up with them. So I think that is important. Doing some off-season fun things, like maybe watching a movie together or a pool party or, you know, just something so they can like each other off the floor as much as they do on the floor. It's going to really help you. So I know I mentioned that in the, when we were talking before that we divide our team up into families and the families are like we call it Friday families. They can do something fun on Friday with their family, like in the day or in the evening. And it might, we group them together by stuff they need to work on. Like maybe they're kids that need to be stronger or they need to work on their feet or they need to work on their flexibility. Then they can get together and they bond, but they also, you know, work on uh, something they need to work on. So preparing and prioritizing, especially when you're coming in as the brand new coach, what things do you recommend doing, especially in the off season? Because even in all my coaching training, I got the off season is just as important as the competitive season. So what, how do you prioritize getting ready for that season and then doing your off season training? Um, like in Minnesota, we can do summer training, um, but that that's it for high school dance team. We're not allowed to meet with our athletes the other times of the year? So many things in that question. So off-season training, I would work really hard to try to get your kids to train somewhere in the off-season when you can't be with them. Some schools set up a school team. Some have their kids go to studios. I know we have a lot of high school teams that we, we do structured just for kicks, like special sessions, we call them, and we double up in the fall and the spring for those teams that need extra training off season. And you really have to try to get your kids to buy into that. And I feel the way you do that is competitively. You just keep saying, if we're going to compete with X, Y, and Z, you know, those schools are so good. We have to beef up what we're doing, you know? So getting them to want to do the off season training is huge. And I feel like there can be one or two kids that are kind of a tipping point. Like I run the studio and I, I coach and at the back in the day, my kids would make the high school team and then they'd quit the studio. And now I've gotten that turned around because they realized they needed to because they weren't being competitive. So it was one kid that was maybe a tipping point that decided to stay at the studio. And then the first year, maybe five did and the next year, 10 and the next year, all, you know, now I think all of them do. We can't make them do that, but they're not going to be competitive if they aren't off season training. There's just no way uh, that they will be. So that's really important. And kind of recruiting in people to try to teach your fall team. If you're in a small town, like you maybe have it easier in, in a metro area. I wouldn't say easy, but I'm just saying, you know, attracting someone up to, to our area it, is a little bit harder. And I know I've talked to a lot of outstate schools that struggle with that, finding training for their, and you have to be creative sometimes. You really right. do. I like to use the analogy too, and I've used it several times this past season with a basketball player. A basketball player doesn't get better at the three-point shots by just going to the school practice every day when you're doing all these different drills. That person goes home and goes to the park and practices and practices and practices. If you can't get your triple, you need to go home and practice. You need to go out in the garage. You need to go outside or you need to go to a studio where you could get some some extra training. But practice isn't just the two or three hours that we're together every day after school. It's just gotten so competitive. And that's a great analogy because it's so true. My granddaughter is a basketball player and they have some, how many, they have like a chart of how many shots they have to take on their days off. And, and you do, you have to do it. And I think they need to take ownership of the skills they don't have. 
the triple is not going to fall out of the sky. They got to figure out a way. What am I weak at? What do I need to fix? And every kid needs a realistic goal of where they stand on your team or a realistic picture of where they stand. And then they need to set the goals to get where they, and I feel like you got to really communicate and be honest with kids. Even in tough situations, the kids would rather have you be honest than to paint, sugarcoat it. They need to know what they need to work on. So Um, it's very important to competitively tell them where they all, you know, they're one thing we talk a lot about on our team is, are you an anchor or are you the engine? You know, are you holding us back or are you pulling us forward? So I think they need to really think about where they're at in terms of how they're helping or hurting the team because it takes every kid, you know? Right. Right. And since this is a team sport, it really does need to be everybody all in all together and, We've utilized some tools focus-wise, and I'm curious to see what you're doing. What you're doing, um, like one of my assistant coaches had the idea of the leave it at the door concept. So when you walk in the door for practice, whatever happened that day that it was negative or bad or made you sad, you need to to leave it outside because when you walk through that door, we expect you to be focused. And there have been times that I've had to pull people aside because I've noticed like your head's just not here. You're just not, you're usually like super attentive. You take corrections really well. Um, I'm wondering what's worked for you when you've had to pull somebody aside or had to have those difficult conversations, especially as a new coach where maybe they don't know you that well. I think it sounds like you're doing a great job with that. I feel what you don't want to do is just ignore bad, like don't, uh, don't ignore huffiness. Don't ignore rolling of the eyes. Don't ignore an attitude. Um, which is different from mental health, you know, maybe not, you know, sometimes it manifests in different ways, but communicate. I always tell my assistant coaches, if we are thinking it, they need to know it. If we're thinking, oh, that kid's not keeping up. She's not keeping up. She's maybe going to move from varsity to JV. They need to know it, you know, and we have movement going back and forth on our team. And that's sometimes very hard because I don't always know how a kid's going to practice. I don't know if they're, you know, going to show up. I don't know. Well, they do show up or they won't be there, but I'm just saying, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. So there has to be the ability to move kids back and forth. And sometimes that's difficult, but the communication part of it is very important. And the other thing I I talk a lot about with my coaches classes that I do is, you know, if something's occurring, I always compare it to a potty training, a puppy. You don't tell them a week later that they peed on the rug you have to catch them in the act. And I don't mean, you know, at practice, I'm not trying to catch people doing things wrong. I'm, I'm actually trying to catch them doing something right. But but if something isn't going right, you need to talk to them right then and there. I probably would just, you know, if a kid's if a kid seems upset or mad or hurt or whatever, I do a lot where I one-on-one call them out, you know, in the hall and just say, hey, what's up? You know, or, or you know, I, I also get to the point with you rolled your eyes at me, this will never happen again at our practice, or you will not be here. You know, I've been that stern. And then I'll be like, okay, let's go back. I'm fine. And and then I let it roll. And I, I always tell my kids, one thing you know with me is I deal with stuff, but I'm over it fast. You know, let's, we put it, you know, it's just like your own kids at home. You love them. Sometimes you have to get after them, right. but it's over. So just know that once I, you know, got after you, I'll, forget about it. You know, I'll, I'll, I won't remember I did it. And they have to know it's kind of like an unconditional coaching love. You're going to love them no matter. Right. Grew up once in a while. And I don't mean screw up like in the dance. I mean, 
in, in their attitude, but they do have to be all in. I want kids that are all in. One of the things I tell my kids a lot is I give up a lot for you. I give a lot of my personal life nights working on stuff, this and that. I need you to answer back with commitment. If I'm going to give up this much for you, I need you to answer back with commitment. And I think that's a powerful statement for kids, you know, because yeah. it, it's a big deal. Now let's talk parents a little bit. What had you asked about parents? Um, how do you get parents engaged, especially if a lot of them are new, they don't understand how your program works. Um, they don't understand how your specific conference or school, like Minnesota high school dance team is very different from studio and very different from other states. So how do you get them involved and engaged in helping you? So, I mean, there's a lot of things they can do that are really beneficial for the team and the team culture. And then it also helps take some of that stuff off the coaches from having to, to plan events or plan, here's what sections week is going to look like, or here's what our team dinners look like, or things like that. Yeah, I think, again, I think communication, I think by having a parent meeting early on, it helps you answer a ton of questions and you field them all at once rather than everybody hitting you. I think your idea of the once a week communication is good that you said you did. And you said prior that it came from a captain's parent. I think it's smart that you switched it over to you. You are in charge. You're the one that it needs to come from um, because you don't always know what that other person's going to say. Right. So I think it's smart to come from you. Getting parents involved is, is, you know, I have a good friend, Leslie Swigum, and she abolished her booster cover. Wouldn't have one. I abolished mine after some problems one year, but I felt it's easier for me to just, do some of the stuff myself or I, I was channeling it to the parent to do it. And, and sometimes it's just this decision I had to make, but if I need help, boy, I just send out a band or a text and help is there really fast. And our parents are very helpful. I do think a social event is very fun for them. I do think matching is fun so they get to know each other and you know, you have all kinds of parents and I think it's important to address, like we had one parent that would, like all the parents would go early and save seats and then one person would come really late and expect a seat to be safe for them when they never were the ones that showed up early. And parents, you know, just like anything, parents start resenting that they're doing all the work and someone else isn't. So I, I address that right up front and go, if you're going to help, know that some people are going to help more than others. Some people aren't going to do a damn thing, you know. But if you're here to get credit for doing it, you know, it, it, it's that's going to make you crabby about doing it. So we'll take what you give us. We don't expect, you know, and people end up doing wonderful things. But, the, you know, I think parents can be wonderful. You know, at times they can be overzealous. So you got to keep it in check. And, you know, I had a friend that would say at her parent meeting, this is your child's activity, not yours get a job or, you know, do something, you know, and I never say that, but I thought it was kind of funny because it's true. You know, they, they sometimes try to live vicariously through their child. But anyway, um, I think again, with parents, honest communication is important. And I love the parents that are great communicators in terms of they don't like attack you, but they ask you a question and I'll answer a question. If anyone asks me, it's a great, great way to do it. So and I agree, honesty with your dancers and your team and honesty with your parents. When you have that student that comes to you and says, how come I'm taken out of formation this week? You need to tell them why. Like, these are the skills you need to work on. Here's where you're falling behind with the rest of the team. But when that parent comes to you too, be honest with them because it's you're just helping build everybody and just 
trying to make a positive experience out of something that they may see as negative, but just give them honest feedback. I think that's really important all the way around. That is so smart. Practice plans. What oh. tools do you use to build practice plans? Which I know we all start out having these great intentions and then you realize you spend an extra 30 minutes on kick drills or something like that. And then you kind of feel like you're behind schedule. So what kind of tools do you use for practices and making yeah. sure that you get the things you want to get to? Yeah, I'm not one of those people that, I mean, and I've tried where I have exact to the minute practice plans and I never stick to them, you know, um, but I do have a book where I have all my kick drills, all my, you know, turn drills, all my different things I do. But um, I just, you know, at our practice, maybe because I've done it so long, I'm less like have it all written out. However, I know that other coaches that have been around a long time, like I had one coaching friend that had a grease board and up front, her kids knew exactly what she was doing every day. And it, it helped them kind of know what was coming next. And I think that's a great idea. It's not me. Like I would forget I had the list, you know, I'm really ADD and I admit it. And I, so sometimes I'm going here and end up going there, but we get it done. And I, I think the important thing for coaches is you got to be moving forward. You've got to be moving forward every day at practice. And you got to try to cover all the things you need. Technique, um, technique, uh, you know, choreography, timing, all the time and cardio and, and strength. You got to have this thing that you cover and multitask it as much as possible. Like I was saying earlier that I don't ever do cardio just to do cardio. I usually do it with something else in mind, you know, so once in a while I do, but most of the time, I think for practice plans at the beginning of the year, I am more um, choreo choreography driven in the beginning of the season. Summer, I'm more technique and um, cardio, you know, so I think it just depends on what type of year you're doing it. So yeah. yeah, and I think when we talked earlier, you had the idea of like using your kick drills as your cardio, and we've done that too to help with their endurance. We have this this um, what we do called box, and it's it's pretty intense, and it's a really good workout. But we're not only we're doing it for timing, we're doing it for kicks, and we're doing it because you need to build up the endurance, and then doing the dance, marking and drilling your dance as your cardio warm up. And yep. we've done that too because that's why we're here. We're here to dance, we drill in the dance, choreography. And that's just one way to help us kind of get a little more bang for our buck by, by doing that as our warm up. Well, absolutely. Well, we will have to do this again. I feel so bad that I um, forgot to record when we first started, but we actually came up with a few different things the second time. Yeah. So yeah. Sarah, I hope you'll do it again with me sometime. I think it's great. Absolutely. Are you, will see camp this summer? Are you going yes, to camp this going to say that. Which we're one going are you? To camp. Number two. Oh, yeah, good. We're going to we'll talk there a whole bunch. I'm yeah, sure. For sure. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Anything But Routine. If you like the podcast, subscribe and give us a rating. We'll see you next time.